Hello and welcome to The Dot Ball. This is a cricket podcast which is focused on South African cricket mostly, but we will touch on the global game as well. Uh, my colleague Andrew Sampson is not with us in person today. He's uh, in the free state of all places, uh, but he has sent us some uh, statistical gems from the first test between South Africa and the West Indies uh, at St. Lucia. Of course, the Proteas uh, registering an overwhelming innings victory there uh, over the West Indies. John Kent, it's a great pleasure to have the former Proteas and uh, KZN Dolphins all-rounder with us again. And uh, as befits, I think, a podcast called The Dot Ball, we're very happy and privileged to have Paul Harris, the former Proteus spinner, uh, with us today. Uh, Paul played 37 tests for South Africa and took 103 wickets, which puts him 16th on the list of all-time South African wicket-takers, and he's the fourth-best spinner. Uh, But I think the stat that perhaps... uh, displays uh, Paul Harris's career best is that when he played for South Africa between 2007 and 2010, uh, they played in 15 series and they only lost once. Uh, that was when Australia beat them here in South Africa in 2009 and uh, Harrow's left arm spin, uh, bowling plenty and plenty of dot balls was a major reason uh, for their success, just the, the pressure he built at the other end. So, a very big welcome to you, Paul, and to you, John. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Ken. Yeah, so uh, obviously I think we were all very delighted with how the, the first test went uh, in St. Lucia. Uh, the Proteas winning for the first time overseas since 2017 in England. So it's been a long time uh, between drinks. Uh, John, how did what were your uh, takeaways from that test match? Yeah, I think to sum it up, I suppose our, our, our Dean Olga captain a win in his very first game. Obviously not memorable in other aspects, but obviously a great start for him for his captaincy, um, as well as uh, two debutants with Keegan Peterson and Verena coming into the team. Um, I also think obviously batting once is obviously always a wonderful thing in, in Test cricket, and obviously our fast bowling attack as well was was pretty special. Um, I, I, I was. To be fair, um, no taking nothing away from our fast bowling battery of bowlers, I, I, I was a little bit disappointed with some of the, some of the batting from that West Indies top order. Yeah, John, I, I must say that I was kind of hoping that the West Indian batting had improved since we last played against them. But uh, Paul Harris, you will obviously uh, remember uh, locking horns with the West Indies. Uh, how did you see that first <clears> test? <throat> Yeah, I suppose. I think I heard Barchi uh, getting interviewed afterwards and they said it was close to the perfect test match. And I think that was a, a fair sort of reflection on it. Um, you know, it was always going to be the the sort of battle of the top orders. Um, both teams have got decent seam attacks. Um, you know, in seam bowling friendly conditions, we've got to say, I mean, that wicket did, that wicket did do quite a bit. Um, was probably very similar to what you'd sort of get up country here, um, either in uh, in Pretoria or Johannesburg. It had quite a bit in it and it had quite nice bounce and carry. <clears throat> so you'd have to say suited the way that you know the sort of style of cricket that South Africans like to play. But um, having said that, um, I, you know I was very impressed with the way um, you know our, our guys went about it um, with the bat. Um, obviously, Quinny getting runs always helps uh, the, the the cause. I think. Uh, 
you know, you'll be very careful with Quinton de Kock. Uh, you know, people say, you know, that, uh, you know, he, he's a bit, bit too dashing and he, you know, he goes at it too hard. I thought this innings, he sort of paced it really well. Um, he took his time in the beginning and then sort of smacked it towards the end when he was batting with the tail. So, you know, hopefully, you know, the Quinton de Kock in form uh, completely changes the look of that uh, of that South African side. So mm-hmm. certainly a brilliant effort from them and, and a result that was much needed. Yeah, I, I loved the way Quinton played. And, and you said it, Paul. I mean, I, he, he came in um, and on that third or oh, second morning, he um, he got away quickly. Um, the West Indies were a bit loose up front. But then I was really impressed with the way in that hour before lunch when the West Indies bowlers really tightened up a bit and it was tough going, um, that he dug in a bit. He actually um, just made sure he stayed there. Um, and then obviously later on batting so well with the tail. I think it's a double-edged sword with, with Quinton. I mean, you don't want him to go too, you know, his, his nature is to score quickly. And you <clears throat> sort of want to keep it. That's what makes him special. It makes what makes him an X-factor player. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of fine line that he's got to find in his batting with tempo. Um, I think he, you know, he found it. Uh, you know, he, he, there was a period of pressure there to had to soak in. And that's test cricket. There's going to be times when bowlers are going to bowl well in bowler-friendly conditions, and you're going to have to sort of test your, your defensive technique and 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 find a way to stay there. And then, obviously, we all know what he can do once he gets into that attacking mode. I actually think it helped him that we lost a few wickets and he was batting with a tail. It freed him up, and he could just uh, you know say, okay, well, you know, let's uh, throw caution to the wind here and play a few shots. And and it came off for him. So you know, I mean, as I mentioned before, a Quinton a Quinton de Kock in form completely changes the look and the feel of that South African side. John, you would have batted with the tail uh, quite a lot during your career. Um, how impressed were you with the way Quinny went about that and just your impressions of his innings as a whole? I think the um, the elements where he, he showed a bit of application and, and building in innings and the different sort of peaks and troughs you go through during the course of innings, Paul brought it up so well there, saying how, you know, this is so important to him playing his natural game at some point in his innings and towards the back end of the innings that you know the field was spread he was hitting boundaries at will and obviously it was wonderful spectacle to watch but obviously batting with a tail you've got to be clever about it he had Mulder behind him um who's, who's a who's a very good all-round player and then obviously the tail the fast bowlers and, and spinner to come so he dealt well with that sort of uh, responsibility with managing and rotating strike and trying to dominate the, the you know the the strike rate the facing facing a lot of the bowling, um, but obviously a strike rate of 83 during the course of the innings, you know he doesn't normally face 170 balls in an innings to be fair, um, and and generally when he's in there that game moves forward at a at a rapid rate. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the number of balls he faced, John, because we we have a very little a very interesting little insert now from Andrew Sampson. Uh, which focuses exactly on that. It was good to see South Africa and the Caribbean playing test cricket after a long break. The last series there was back in 2010. Jacob Zuma had been South African president for one year back then, and Barack Obama wasn't yet halfway through his first term. The IPL was just over two years old, and Quinton de Kock was 17 and had played just one first-class match at the time. 11 years is a very long gap between tests in the West Indies. The only series in that time in South Africa was over six years ago as well. Speaking of Quinton de Kock, it was very good to see him in the runs again. We know he hasn't been in great form lately. His 141 not out was comfortably more than he had made 
in his last seven test innings combined. More importantly, it was good to see him smiling again. I don't keep smiles per test stats, but it feels like quite a while since we've seen one from him. What pleased me most was how long he batted. His test career batting average going into this match was 37.13, and yet we all know that he's clearly the standout batting talent in South Africa at the moment, and should probably be averaging around 47 in test cricket, not 37. A couple of months ago, I wrote an article about him in which I postulated that a reason for this could be that he hasn't played enough long innings. He faced 170 balls for his 141 not out, which is the third longest innings he's played in his professional career, and the longest since 2012, which was before he turned 20. It was just the fifth time in 503 professional innings, across formats as they say these days, that he'd faced 150 balls. It is difficult to maintain a high average in test cricket if you aren't playing long innings fairly regularly. So let's have a look at a bit of a comparison. I mean, of the 59 players who've had 500-plus innings since Quinton de Kock made his debut, only seven have had 150-ball innings as few as five times. The other six in that list, Chris Gale, Glenn Maxwell, Kyron Pollard, David Miller, Jason Roy, and Paul Sterling. You may have noticed a bit of a similarity between those names. They spent most of their time swinging through the line at a white ball. And you don't have to bat long in short games. De Kock is the only one of them who has been a test regular in that time. He's, he's played 52 tests in total, compared to 36 that the other six on that list have played combined. Overall in his career, De Kock has played 138 innings in first-class cricket and 365 in the short formats which is nearly three-quarters of his innings facing the white ball. So I don't know how you develop the muscle memory to play long innings if that's what you're doing all the time. It'll be, it's interesting to compare him with Kyle Verena, who will be his likely replacement if he weren't available in the test team. Verena has spent far longer in the apprenticeship of franchise cricket, and de Kock was raced into the international team pretty early on his career. And Verena has faced... Has played 128 professional innings across formats, of which 11 have been 150 or more balls. So he's one in 11 and a half innings. Is he playing a substantially long innings compared to De Kock's one in 100, which suggests that Verena will be better prepared and better equipped to play long innings in Test cricket. So for me, the balls faced by Quinton De Kock, 170, was the number of the Test match, the stat of the Test match, and is far more important than the actual runs that he scored. Of course, it doesn't help that it'll be six months after the second test before he gets the chance to play another first-class innings, presumably in the Boxing Day test. Yeah, so um, I particularly like uh, <laughs> when Andrew mentioned there how great it was to see Quiddy de Kock smiling again uh, because he's obviously been through a, a very tough time. And uh, let's not forget the person uh, behind the, the genius when it comes to batting. Guys, just your view on those stats that uh, seem to suggest that Quinny maybe should try and to be bat longer in Test cricket, or do you think that's going to take away from uh, the qualities that he brings? Look, I think it's a, as I mentioned before, it's a double-edged sword. I think you you know you don't, you, you, you want to find the perfect Quinton de Kock temper with whatever that is. You'll know um, in his innings. Um, you know, if if it's you know sometimes attack is the is the best form of defence depending on what position you're in. Um, you know, form accounts for a huge part of how you can play. Um, you know, he's clearly in form now. 
so he can you know sort of play a few more shots and you know he, he's obviously a bit more comfortable within his defensive technique as well so you know form plays a big role uh, you know when you're out of form no matter what you try sometimes it can just sort of go awry you know you try and occupy the crease you get a good one you nick it you get caught good catch here you know unlucky dismissal there but when you're in form it's, it, 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 it tends to go for you so it's easy to sort of say you should do it one way not the other um, I would like to see uh, a, a Quinton be a bit more maybe circumspect in the beginning of his innings, and then uh, sort of once he's faced his thirty balls and you know he's in, then he can sort of uh, you know unleash. Um, but I certainly don't want to see him lose that flair. John, anything to add? Yeah, I think maybe something is slightly a bit different. Um, looking at it, I think the obviously the preparation as a team. Um, you know, the teams these days with such short turnarounds and isolation periods, things like that, it must be quite tough to get yourself up to speed and start a series on the front foot. And I think, obviously, you've got to give some credit to the coaching staff, uh, Boucher and, 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 and the rest of the guys. Just in terms of getting the bowlers, hitting their straps, setting the tone in the test match, bowling so brilliantly to start knocking over the opposition for such a low first innings total, that is really excellent. And the batsmen, obviously a couple missed out, unfortunately, but they got they got in, they batted once, they batted big. And like we said, you couldn't have asked for a better start. Yeah, I thought the, the bowlers were absolutely superb. Uh, yeah, sure, the pitch was very helpful, but I think it's easy to get carried away uh, on pitches like that. And I just thought the discipline was so good. You know, they just stuck to that... Channel just outside off stump, uh, really squeezed the West Indies batsmen um, and and forced forced mistakes. Uh, Paul, did it did it remind you a bit about when you were playing and it and it was the kind of strategy that you guys employed so successfully? Yeah, look, I mean, it helps when you've got pace in your side. I think that's one of the advantages of this uh, of this African bowling lineup. I think Andrik Nokia has been a breath of fresh air. Um, it also gives, uh, you know, it takes a bit of pressure off, off, off Rabada. You've got two guys that can bowl 145 plus, you know, with Nokia, you know, tapping the 150s. That certainly helps. It reminds you of sort of when Dale and Mornay were at their best. And, uh, and you know, it, it instills that, that fear into the, in, into the opposition. Um, you know, I thought that Ngidi was also superb. Um, maybe lost a yard or two in pace, but certainly has made up for it in accuracy. Um, you know, he had, he had the tendency to bowl the odd bad ball here or there. Didn't but in this last test match, he was superb. He didn't let up. And I think as a unit, they bowled well. I thought they were rotated well. Um, it does help when you when you bowl teams out cheaply, so you can rotate your fast bowlers. They're not going into their third and fourth spells. Um, it'd be interesting to see what wicket uh, gets produced next. Um, I would imagine that it would be slightly flatter. I don't think that they want to take on our fast bowlers again. And I think they realize that they'll be on a bit of a hiding to nothing if they do that. Um, the way they certainly, the way they batted. But certainly, Shaul Langefeld and Mark Boucher have done a great job and a great turnaround uh, with that bowling unit uh, in, the, in a short space of time. I mean, uh, I don't remember too many bad balls getting bowled uh, in, in any of the spells that they bowled. Yeah, Lungi, Lungi and Gidi in particular was a, a bit of a revelation uh, for me because we know he's had all those injury problems and understandably he's lost a bit of pace, but I really feel like skills wise, he's come on a tremendous way. Um, and it was fantastic to see that away swinger going. Um, John, do you, do you think he could almost be the kind of replacement for the Philander role in this attack? I think his, his, his 
his variation, obviously, he has all that there, and he has the consistency as well to match it as well. So I think the obviously all of them, you know, six foot four somewhere around there. Philander slightly different kettle of fish, uh, slightly lower on pace, but Ngidi, you know, gets up into those late one thirties. He's got you know that 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 area where you wonder when you're going to get a bad ball a lot of the time. I think Nokia might be slightly. Uh, less disciplined, you could say, but he runs in hard and he he knocks guys over. That's his sort of game. And Giddy, he builds pressure well. He, he he uses the new ball well. We saw he gets some shape um, both ways, and you know he couldn't find a better sort of partner for him in Kahisa Rabada as well on the other end, who's got a huge reputation. Yeah, John, just uh, on on the West Indies batting, and and Paul coming uh, here as well. Um, it, it's just really disappointing for me. Like, I kind of think like back when you guys were playing, we always felt that our bowlers could get the better of the West Indies batsmen because uh, in terms of technique and discipline, it's like they just can't resist something outside off stump. You just know that if you stick there all day, um, they're going to nick off. And it, it, it really doesn't seem like their batting has progressed much at all. Uh, uh, I saw a stat that in terms of um, the combined totals of their two innings, um, it was their second worst batting performance at home ever. <laughs> yeah, I think the uh, I was particularly surprised how, how badly they dealt with the ball just on the fourth, fifth stump line. They didn't really leave well. They played at balls outside the line of the eyes very often. I just looked at a guy like Roston Chase, a year or two ago, he was coming in at sort of seven and eight, and he he's coming in where now he's coming in at four. So yeah, it's it's Bonner, Shahope, he's been around. Brathwaite digs in a lot of the time. Um, Carl Mayer's not really done a huge amount so far. We've got Holder slightly lower down, De Silva, Blackwood, those sort of guys. But I just yeah, they really didn't deal when the ball was doing a little bit. They they really did struggle. I was I was very surprised. Footwork not really non-existent, really, to be honest with you. And outside the off stump, it looked like they could nick off at any stage, really. I think there's an element of fear as well. I honestly do. I, I, they, they didn't play the short ball particularly well. There was a yeah. few guys, you know, sort of getting out hooking. Um, and I think that's the reason why they're not they're nicking off is because their footwork is uh, you know it's sort of in the toilet to use a, an old uh, cricket phrase. Um, is is that they're not getting forward, uh, they're not, and they're not getting, uh, you know, they're getting caught in the crease, and that's because I think there is a little bit of fear. I think that they uh, they, they worry about that short ball. Um, I think our fast bowlers used it particularly well. I think that they backed it up with very good areas after that, and then you're going to get the sort of, especially with a bit in the wicket, you're going to get guys nicking off. I think there's a serious problem in that uh, in that West Indian side with with playing the short ball. And um, if the wicket bounces in the next test match, well, they can expect a bit more of uh, what they got in the first. Uh, you know, sort of that good area, fourth stump, just outside, with the odd short ball in between. Um, and uh, with the discipline that the three fast bowlers showed, it's still going to prove very difficult for them technically to get through it. Yeah, I think the Proteus probably couldn't have chosen a, a better uh, pitch uh, for the two tests to be played on uh, than the one at Grow Alle. Uh, Paul, I, I believe when uh, you were with the Titans, there was an award called the TFC. And uh, I imagine the Dolphins might well have had one as well. Um, <laughs> maybe you can explain that and uh, uh, just uh-huh. chat to us about the recipient and uh, and how, how you felt uh, his first game 
in, in permanent charge uh, has gone. He has, of course, captained South Africa twice before in tests. Sure, it's a it's a it's a bit of a fun award that you give to someone that has done you know, done nothing during a game. Generally, um, it's called the TFC. Thanks for coming. It basically means you've done nothing throughout the Test match. I think Dean Alber is the 14th captain in Test history to win a Test match without taking a catch, scoring a run, or getting a wicket. So, unfortunately, <laughs> Dina, you uh, you qualify for the TFC award for the previous Test, but. We'll take it away from you because you did captain very well, I thought, and uh, and uh, you won your first captain, first test as captain. <laughs> Fantastic, John. Uh, did did you guys have a TFC at the Dolphins? Uh, can you remember? Yeah. Uh, any great cases of it? And uh, what did you think of Dean's leadership? Yeah, I, I thought he he conducts himself brilliantly. He's a skipper, really. He's he's one of the guys who leads from the front in attitude and. And everything about him, uh, I really enjoy what he what he brings to the team and and to the game of cricket. Um, but yeah, going back onto that TFC, yeah, there, that was normally uh, in the four day games that, that something's going to crop up where you you haven't really done a huge amount, and that normally ends in uh, probably a funnel or something like that at the end of <laughs> end of play. John, I know you captained a bit. I hope you never got a TFC, did you? Uh, yeah, everyone's probably got one of those at some stage. <laughs> to be fair, um, but no, I was I wasn't captain uh, a huge amount from ju- junior days a little bit, but into senior cricket I wasn't used as a captain. Eh, Ken? <laughs> Guys, going into the uh, second test starting on Friday, we we obviously don't know about the uh, fitness of Timber Bavuma, who has a, a hip injury. But uh, any changes that you guys uh, would consider? No, I don't think so. I think that that, uh, that team did so well. I mean, I would imagine if Timber's fit, he would come back in and then someone would need to miss out. Uh, you know, you probably find that Verena might, might, might miss out then. Um, so that would be the only change that I would see if uh, if Timber is fit. Uh, and uh, certainly from an experience point of view, it'll, it'll bolster our, uh, our top order. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that maybe on a wicket that is doing a bit is the type of guy you need. You know, he's quite a, a dogged player. He's got a very good defensive technique. And uh, he can come in and sort of blunt the attack and sort of get them into their third and fourth spells. But I don't foresee too many changes. I don't foresee them bringing in any other sort of bowlers. If those bowlers are all fit, I would imagine they'll all play again. Um, you know, you don't generally change a side that has produced a result like that unless you're forced to. So um, look, I think uh, uh, they'll stick with the same same eleven unless Timbers fit. Paul, I was actually going to ask you also, just on a, going back onto it, about the conditions that were expected. I think we took a lot of spinners on in our squads for this trip. There's obviously Prunellan who did well in in the four day series this year. George Linda, those guys. Do you think do you think we sort of thought it would be very much dust bowl off the top of our head before we went there? We've got enough seamers, we've got enough spinners, of, of course, but I suppose the the conditions weren't exactly as what we were probably expecting. Maybe not, but also the squad's bigger. It's a 19 man mm-hmm. squad, which helps. I mean, then, you know, you generally got 15 man squads. So you, you know, you got four extra guys. So, you know, uh, it, it depends. I suppose it depends where you play. Uh, this particular we could be playing on now, it, it does tend to favor the seamers. But I think that they've got a good balance there. I think, uh, you know, maybe taking a guy like uh, Sabran with for a bit of experience, you know, the, the chances of him playing with Shamsi there and, 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 and with Keshav and George Linder probably not mm-hmm. very high. But, yeah. you know, giving him a bit of experience, understanding what it's like. You know, if you've got a 19-man squad, why not? Yeah. Take guys that have performed. And, and the spinners this season seem to clean up in South African conditions. Uh, you know, they really did well. 
So it seems like every team uh, out there was bowled out by spinners this season, uh, including uh, a woeful performance from my Titans team. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. Point. Uh, um, you know, it's it, 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 they've done very well. So I thought that the, you know that, that a 19-man squad you can cover all your bases, and uh, uh, you know I, I don't foresee them in any of the Test matches unless it gets really sort of flat, playing more than one. Yeah. So was it a bit of overkill? Maybe, possibly it was. But, um, you know, with 19-man squad, you've got sort of that mm. bit of leeway. Yeah. Yeah, guys, I, I must say I really like the balance in the side at the moment with four frontline bowlers, a uh, genuine all-rounder at seven uh, in Vian Mulder, and then your, your six specialist batsmen. And what I like about it is also is that when we get to conditions that aren't so seamer-friendly, then there's not that much disruption. I mean, you can just bring in George Linder uh, for Vian Mulder, and I think they are of similar uh, sort of quality as batsmen. Um, and, and you know, then you've got a second spinner if, if you need one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, um, how they use uh, Vian Mulder. He wasn't really needed much with the ball um, in this, this previous test, obviously, because we our frontline bowlers sort of Baldemar, I do agree with you that um, I do think that this is a good balanced side, one of the better ones we've had actually for a while. Um, I think it, on flatter wickets we might get a bit more, obviously a bit more tested with our bowling lineup. Um, having said that, we do have pace in there, which I like. Um, you know, if there's a couple uh, touch wood, hopefully not a couple of injuries, or if they want to do what these, what they like to do in these, uh, in this day and age, and they want to rotate, <laughs> which, I, which I think is ridiculous. Um, you know, if they wanted to rotate me as a player in the old days, they would have had one thing coming. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't believe in this whole rotation story. Um, but if they want to do that, then, uh, you know, it might prove to be a bit more difficult without the without the pace, uh, um, you know, awesome. I don't think there's anyone in the in, sort of in the wings. Maybe Janssen, I'm not sure how quick he is, but maybe he can come in and bowl with a bit of pace. But uh, on flatter wickets, we might get tested a bit more, but certainly do agree with you. I think especially with Quinton de Kock playing so well, and maybe Temba Vuma coming in there to add a bit of stability. I think that's a you know a decent yeah. top six with an all rounder uh, and uh, and a good bowling liner. Mm. Uh, Paul, do uh, do you feel that Keshav Maharaj and George Linder they're, they're both left arm spinners? But do you feel there's sufficient difference between the two that they can both play in in an eleven? I think that uh, where George adds a bit of value is certainly um, first of all he's had a, an, an unbelievable last three or four seasons. He's a bloody good cricketer. Uh, where he adds value is if the wicket, if it is a bit of a, uh, assistance for the spinners, I think what they'll do is they'll rotate Mulder and 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 him, so he can play as the all rounder, and uh, and then you've got two spinners. It's not, I suppose, it's not ideal that you've got two left arm spinners, but uh, they are different in their own ways. Um, but certainly as an all rounder option, um, he will. He, you know, if 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 there is, you know, a bit, of, bit in it for the spinners, then you don't need uh, four seamers. Then you can sort of. Uh, Bring him in for Vian Mulder, but I think you know out and out against against Kesh. Uh, you know I think Kesh still has the upper hand uh, as the out and out uh, spinner. Um, you know I, I like the way this season they went to sort of toe to toe. When George got five for, then Kesh would get six for. When Kesh got six for, then George would get seven for. You know so it kind of yeah. puts pressure on Kesh to perform, and that's what you want. You want uh, yeah. um, guys to be performing, and you want sort of uh, those spots not to be. You know you don't want Kesh have as he has. I think. He had for too long, uh, you know, that he had sort of monopoly over that position. Whereas now, you know, he's really got to perform and he's got to keep his game in check. Otherwise, he'll lose his spot. 
for sure, Paul. And uh, in this coming domestic season, it's going to be really interesting because we've uh, seen the rise of Penelin Sabrayan, uh, Senna and Mutisami's done really well, and uh, Simon Harmer's going to be back uh, in our local game as well. So plenty of uh, competition there. John, uh, just another aspect of the uh, makeup of the Proteus team at the moment was the debutant coming in at number three, uh, Keegan Peterson. Uh, I thought he looked uh, pretty good. Not a bad first effort by him. How did you rate his performance? Yeah, I think he, he started nicely. A couple of boundaries. Um, obviously, he's been through you know Western Province. He's gone to the Nazis. He's, he's been averaging fifty for most domestic seasons for some time now. So there has been some calls for him to be in the side um, at earlier stages. Much like Verena, I would say the, there's obviously a big uh, support for him coming through domestically and doing so well. But uh, Keegan Peterson, yeah, he's done. He's done the right thing. He's got weight of runs in domestic cricket, he, and he's also got a, a knack of getting big hundreds when he gets in as well, which is great to see. So I think he is going to get a, a fair run going forward now. And you know what I mean? It's 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 good to see guys aren't, you know, they they put in the hard work. They put in those seasons where you know somewhat sometimes you think no one's watching, but you know when you put the big numbers on season after season, you know that holds. Great value when you come to this level now, mentally and technically, um, all those aspects get examined. And, uh, you know, he's getting around that 30 mark. So, you know, that's a great age to to come through and, and do superbly well. And I, I see him doing very nicely. Yeah, great. Well, I think we're all very excited uh, for that second test to start with the Proteas playing so well in the first game. Uh John, Paul, thanks so much for your wonderful inputs. It's been fantastic uh, talking cricket with you guys. And uh, hopefully we'll be back together uh, talking about the game again in the near future. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you, Ken. Cheers, guys. And thank you, our listener, for listening to this episode of The Dot Ball. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe uh, to this channel, and then you can also get notifications of uh, our podcasts, and uh, we'll be back after the second test uh, concludes. And in case you want to get hold of us, you can contact me on my Twitter account, which is at Ken Borland. That's K-E-N-B-O-R-L-A-N-D. Thanks very much and goodbye.